Tennessee Titans suck, fellas. The Tennessee Titans are at 10 wins for the first time in I don't even know when, John. Since 2008, to be exact. (laughs) We are rocking and rolling, and, you know, we've got things going in the right direction, offensively at least. (laughs) We still are a really bad third-down team defensively. Your thoughts on um, a big win against the Lions yesterday? Well, like John said, our offense is officially, statistically, the best in the NFL. We're one point better than the Chiefs, two points better than the Packers. Insane to think that we're the best out of all these great teams. It's great to be 10 and 4, but it hasn't felt 10 and 4. Like we have a chance to be 12 and 4. I don't know if it's just because we've been mediocre to bad for so long that being great is just a foreign concept, but. With the Dory Jackson finally playing a game, with Kevin Byard finally getting an interception, if the defense can just be the 20th best instead of the 28th best, I don't see any reason why we can't be legit contenders. It reminds me of 2006 where the Colts were a really good offensive team, of course, in the prime of Peyton Manning's career, and they just were awful uh, on defense. But about week 14, they sort of put it together really with the strength of Bob Sanders, uh, finally healthy Bob Sanders. Of course, they, they went on to, to win a Super Bowl. John, can we go from such a bad defense? Like, you know, of course, we acquired a really good player at the deadline. looks like Jeffrey Simmons gets a little bit better every week. Can, can we come together on defense? I sure hope so, because if you look at it, the, team, the teams we're going to be playing, they like to air it out. You know, they, we've got the Chiefs that can score literally on any play. The Steelers, they're always going to throw on you, especially with an inconsistent run game. And the Buffalo Bills, they're the ones I look at the most with that explosive passing attack. And, you know, guys like uh, Cole Beasley are those second, those afterthought guys that'll kill you. Um, So I really hope that we can get some form of a pass rush and we can get really healthy in our secondary. Kind of like Landon said, we had a Dory Jackson back finally. The thought is and the hope is that we'll get Christian Fulton back next week and Kenny Vaccaro back. And, when you start to talk names and what we have on paper, on paper, that's bulletproof secondary. This group will never have played together, and that's something that's really important, and especially going up against the Packers, which we're going to dive into in a bit. It's a trial by fire. We don't have to spend a lot of time on the Lions game yesterday. Just are not a very deep team, not a super talented team. It's amazing when you look at how often they have drafted towards the top of, of the NFL draft, how much money they spent in free agency, let's say, over the last five years. Just, man, we're lucky to have a good organization and uh, kind of a good coaching staff because, yikes. The uh, thing that stood out to me was not really a Titan uh, thing. It was that Matt Stafford still has a really good arm landing. I mean, it just flies out of his hand still. Of course, he was beat up already, and I think they pulled him in that game to keep him away from Jeffrey Simmons. Stafford only has one Pro Bowl, and it's as an alternate. Assuming his body can hold up, whether he's still on the lines or he moves on, He's going to be in the top five in every major passing stat. Like I said, he could finish with one Pro Bowl, just be the weirdest career ever. And he's been a top 10 quarterback pretty much since 2011. So eight straight years, you've had a guy that you can go to the playoffs with. And guess what? They haven't even won a playoff game. They've gone to the playoffs three times with Stafford, I believe. Like yesterday, they scored 18 points and they had two red zone fumbles. If they don't make stupid mistakes, they're neck and neck with us going into the fourth quarter. Stafford is playing great. He had a great game yesterday, but everyone else just let him down. And their defense, I would be ashamed to say I was playing defense for the Detroit Lions right now. Yeah, they just have one or two kind of legitimate NFL players that played yesterday on defense, and and that's it. John, my theory is there are five or so 
NFL teams that are so poorly run or owned or managed that they're just always going to be bad until something changes. Unfortunately, Detroit, who is a good city, who's already kind of on tough times. A lot of this country's infrastructure, a lot of innovation was kind of on the backs of people in Detroit two and three and four generations ago. And I just wish they had a good team. You know, it would just yeah. be so important for a place like that to have a good team. They have a really pathetic team. I really think at some point it is not about missing draft picks. It's about they just it doesn't matter who goes there. They're not going to be good. Now, I think the Chargers uh, have been like that. And I think the Bengals have been like that. I think the Jets have been like that. And I think the Browns, who finally hired a decent general manager and coach like nine months ago, we're going to see them crawl out of that as long as they don't do something really goofy. I think it comes back to ownership mainly. You just get a glimpse of that when we play them. We were that team. In 2015, we had just finished about four or five years doing that, and that's four or five years more than I ever want to do because if we didn't make a change uh, in ownership and then the dominoes fell from there, I think we'd be in the same shape. I remember having five good players, and that's what Detroit has. It's re- it was really sad. Yeah, and I think it's really unfortunate because, you know, D- Detroit – they've drafted some of these guys high and, you know, they've had, you know, already they've had some hall of famers. I mean, if you look at Calvin Johnson, there's a perfect example of somebody who is supposed to be better than Julio Jones. I mean, imagine Matt Ryan's career without Julio. I don't know what that looks like. Probably nothing like it is currently, but you know, Stafford was part of that. And he had, he had Calvin Johnson right there. And you would have thought those two would ride off into the sunset together. And you know, then we all know what happened. Calvin Johnson got cut short and Stafford still finds ways to make it happen. I think he's pound for pound, the toughest guy yeah, in the NFL. I think he's incredibly, yeah, I mean, incredibly tough because you could saw when he got just <clears throat> kind of pushed down. Yeah. You could say that every rib in his body just rattled around. He was in obvious pain. Sure. Still, the ball flies out of his hand and he's obviously got broken ribs or something. If you put a 25-year-old Stafford with this character and toughness, you put him on literally an average team, I think they would have, you know, six, seven, eight straight years in the playoffs. I don't know that he is John Elway, but he's certainly not a guy that should have only been to the playoffs, you know, three times in 11 or 12 seasons. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Elway because I I think you put him on the Broncos and he might be, you know, they may, they may give the Chiefs a run for their money every single year. Just he's that kind of toughness and he's not, he's not the athlete that Patrick Mahomes is, but as far as an arm and a cannon, they're, you know, I mean, he's still got it. I think the guy could have easily for a long time. I'm not saying he would have been a top three, but I think he would have been a top eight or nine in his prime. And that would have been enough. You give, uh, why don't you give uh, Sean McVay or Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, the eighth or ninth best quarterback in this league. And you'll see what would happen. It would be a dynasty. Oh, and yeah. uh, just think about what they're playing with right now. I really believe that it's a shame because there are five bad teams in this league that really just really ruin careers and make the whole NFL product way worse because it's owners that just want to keep doing what they're doing. They're so out of touch or they're such control freaks. You know, Dallas is headed that way too. It's a shame. And, and I think Jerry Jones is actually, you know, does some good things as a person. He was a good businessman, but you just got to do what Amy Adams drunk did. They ran off, you know, her brother-in-law because he was so bad. And then she just hired a competent person and, Check your email. That was it. Come to games. Drink a glass of wine. That's your role. Hire a competent person and let them work. You can't tell me the Jets have been bad since Joe Namath retired, right? And he is a very old man now. And the conversation you were having about Calvin Johnson, right? We had Mm -hmm. 10 years before that when 25 years ago Barry Sanders retired. Oh, if they just had a team around him. Guys, it is not a coincidence. 
it's not just bad draft picks. It's just there are five terrible teams. And we're one of those teams now that benefit from the idiot teams, right? The best teams leverage the dumb decisions made by those guys and get an advantage. Otherwise, it would be just so much parity. But uh, I just get tired of it. It's bad football and makes me feel bad for, you know, guys like Matt Stafford that I think could have just had a more enjoyable career if not, you know, being all-time great. Sam Darnold is the next one. The kid is not terrible, but he will be now. I mean, he's probably damaged goods. Uh, So I think it's time for the league to figure out something to do, just run these – the guy that owns the Jets is, you know, like a third-generation heir that's never worked a day in his life or made any tough decisions. Um, you know, the people that made all that money for Johnson & Johnson, uh, they've been dead for like 60 years. So I think it's time for those guys to move on because you can't tell me. And I know they've lost the – maybe lost the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Maybe we can talk about that in a bit. But you can't tell me that Arthur Smith and John Robinson couldn't go – with either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, and in five years, that would not be the best team since Joe Namath landed. And you can't tell me that isn't true. It is about personnel, the guys making the decisions, and the program and development. And I think the Jets haven't done that because they don't want a guy like that, right? They don't want to give up that power or they're not smart enough to find him. I think that's a fair assessment, though. You're just kind of erasing the late 2000s, early 2010s Jets, which went to -to back-to-back. Championship games is a bit rude, I'd say, because those teams, the Jets' entire identity since post-Namath is, their offense sucks. Their offense still sucks, but they had all-time great defenses, and they only didn't go to the Super Bowl because they ran into Peyton Manning and the Steelers. That would be a good move, but I think there's a reason that that's pretty much never happened. John, he makes a good point on the Jets, but it's kind of my point, too. The highlight of 50 years is two AFC championship appearances. Name me two people on that very good defense. It was about scheme. Rob Rob and Rex Ryan did really well there at that point. They succeeded in spite of their personnel, Mark Sanchez, and other folks to to have a really good run for two seasons based on, I think, some really good coaching. Yeah, they had a lot of patchwork players. The only guy you can consistently point at from that defense is Darrell Revis in his prime and, you know, I mean, we all know what Darrell Revis has been in, you know, in his end of, in his twilight, more or less. But, you know, I mean, it, it landed, I, I get what you're saying about the Jets, you know, making some runs. But, I mean, when I think Jets, I think butt fumble. I think, I think Rex Ryan saying, let's go get a snack. Like, I don't, I don't take them seriously. And I think that's a problem for a team that's been around as long as the Jets have. They're continuously the doormat of the NFL. Fell into what they are right now. And it's the joke of the NFL. And, uh, I, I get both of your points, right. but I, I lean more with you, Nathan, and saying like the Jets are a terribly run franchise. I still cannot understand why Adam Case is a head coach in this league. Like I just don't get it, and I don't get why they want players like Le'Veon Bell. Well, head this tragic. is the discussion you have when you play Detroit. It's not about on the field because on the field was a snore. Even when we made mistakes and they got mm-hmm. semi close, it still it was never going to happen. We had Derrick Henry, we had Ryan Tannehill. We had Arthur Smith. Uh, we have a good coaching staff just down the line. We just weren't going to find a way to lose that game. Right. Uh, they made so many mistakes. It's like, do they practice? The Jets are interesting because Adam Gase, to me, ironically, is one of the strengths of that team. They don't have a lot of talent. If you look at their play calling, it's not terrible. Defensively, they are, I mean, like Landon said earlier, a joke. Just absolutely a joke. Gase is not a complete guy he's not a ceo type from an offensive standpoint like sean mcveigh called him 
in the week leading up to that game yesterday. The rarely opposing head coaches would talk to each other on the phone in the week leading up to a game, and he just commented on how hard everybody played on tape. And Gase is not the reinvention of Bill Belichick, but I really weirdly, I just think he's the top guy, and there's just been a lot of embarrassing moments. The Jets are giant mess. We'll see what they do, but I don't expect anything to change or uh, sadly the lines unless, you know, there are big, big, big changes that take place. In the AFC, if the playoffs were this weekend, we would have a rematch, John, with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think that gives an idea of, I think we have a really good, especially one through seven, maybe the top six teams in the AFC. The AFC sacked this year. That's going to be a really good playoff. I would like us at home uh, against Cleveland. I know they beat us. I think it would be an excellent game. What do you think about the AFC kind of as it comes down the line here? The thing that's always amazed me and it amazes everybody in in division play, right? You play everybody twice. Rarely do you sweep people. It's really hard to beat somebody twice. And it's really hard on that other end of the coin to lose to somebody twice. Good news is out of the seven teams that are in the AFC playoff picture, we have played four of them. We played the Steelers, we played the Bills, we played the Browns, and we played the Colts. Um, I'm convinced that we play any one of those teams a second time, we'll beat them again, or we'll beat them. Uh, you know, we'll beat them for the first time or the second time, or the third time in that matter for the Colts. I just think the way that we are running right now, we're going to keep these explosive offenses off the field, and I, I really like our chances, especially if it's at home, although we've been – putting up more points on the road for the most part. But I really, I'm really licking my chops uh, at, at a possible rematch with the Browns. While I think the Browns are better than they've been over the last decade plus, I think they really pulled a fast one on us. Granted, they were without some of their players. You, you line us up again. Derrick Henry will make them remember what we're all about. Landon, John mentions us being, you know, the top scoring offense. You pointed that out earlier. Uh, if it's one thing, and I know it isn't, if it's one thing that makes us different from all the years past when we've had a mediocre or kind of a one-dimensional offense, yeah, Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. Is it A.J. Brown, just that other dimension? Is it Arthur Smith? Is it a really gutsy, thin offensive line? Is it Corey Davis kind of emerging? What What's that one thing that makes us go from, hey, they could be pretty good, they could be explosive to, hey, this might be the best, most balanced Titans offense ever and maybe the, the most balanced, best scoring offense in the NFL this year. I would give the lion's share of the credit to Arthur Smith and a bit of credit to a tough, grizzled offensive line. They've got that. Nobody believes in us because we're pretty much starting at least two backups a week with how injuries have hit us. We're starting a third stringer at left tackle, and we've done okay. Right. But just Arthur Smith, in his second year, he's become so much more comfortable. Like Our personnel – is pretty good, but it's not on paper. You don't look at it and you think, yeah, that's going to lead the NFL in scoring. But like you said, Arthur Smith is just so good at being able to pretty much do anything he wants. Like there's not one kind of offense that we can't execute. We can go pass happy. We can kick Henry out, bring McNichols or hopefully Darrington Evans in, and we can spread guys out, run West Coast. We can pass it deep. Tannehill is fourth in yards per attempt. We can obviously just pound the rock with Henry over and over. We can use four different tight ends that are all good enough at receivers when they're schemed right. It's just there's so many options to where unless we're playing a great defense like the Steelers or the Colts, there's just not any team that has an answer to everything we can do. Yeah, I think the answer is going to be to take advantage of our offensive line, but those guys have been so gutsy. 
It's the only thing that worries me is like like a TJ Watt and company, but you know they have had their own injuries themselves. They're really going to miss the two, I think, elite almost uh, defensive players they've had. So I think this is going to be a lot about coaching. It's going to be a lot about guts. It's going to be a lot about character because everybody is going to be shorthanded in this season of all seasons. And we don't know who's not going to show up in one week to the next, even in the playoffs. He mentions Arthur Smith, John. I really believe this guy's going to be a head coach just in, in, a, in a month or two. And not only that, uh, usually a guy who's a coordinator, he just has to take whatever job he can get and hope for the best. Uh, we have seen offensive coordinators, offensive minds sort of get preferential treatment the last couple uh, coaching cycles in the NFL. This is a guy that his pedigree kind of comes out. It is a unique pedigree, but his father, of course, is one of the great businessmen of the last generation and founded FedEx you know, from nothing just from an idea. So he was kind of an unknown guy. And now, oh, he is a really successful offensive coordinator. Two seasons now. Uh, he has the background that he has. Uh, John, I think this guy's going to have his pick of maybe even a handful of jobs. He and Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, credited for really the maturation of Josh Allen. Those are going to be the two hot names where in the past, I think we've had retreads and all that. I think Sean McVay and company, guys like that, I mean, our former offensive coordinator up in Green Bay, they have changed kind of the tide of what you want in your next coach. And uh, I think Arthur Smith is going to have his options. Do you agree? And is there a fit? Is there a job that you think that is open or is going to come open? Do you think, do you see him being a perfect fit in? For Titan Nation, I hope that that doesn't come true. I hope you, I hope we make a really deep playoff run and even, you know, go to the Super Bowl and win it. And that kind of keeps him from interviewing with other teams where they're going to, you know, these teams that don't have coaches right now, they're going to get antsy. You see Detroit already interviewing people for their GM position. And that's going to, you know, he's going to have preference on who the coach is. So these teams are going to get antsy. They're going to make a decision before researching all their op. And, and I hope that the opportunities, I think, that I would peg Smith in for, I hope they get filled before he has an opportunity to interview for them. Specifically, I think two of them we've mentioned when talking about the Lions. I think the Lions are a good spot for him. You know, he can pr- probably get Stafford through his prime. And, you know, they've got DeAndre Swift and a couple other good backs there. They've got Kenny Galladay. He's got pieces to work with there. My only question is, is whatever has bothered the Lions for 50 years would stand in Arthur Smith's way. I don't know if a guy whose father is literally a billionaire, I know it's not all about money, but I think we're going to see him kind of be like, we've just seen one or two guys be patient for the right job. Yeah. And I think the connections, I mean, his father, Fred Smith, was a part owner until just recently uh, with the Washington football team. So he knows firsthand what a boneheaded owner can mean. Uh, he's had to put up with that for all these years and event, uh, sold out, you know, sold his, his m- minority share just a few months ago after the weird cheerleader nonsense thing. I don't know if we'll see Arthur Smith take a job with one of these bottom five teams. I think we'll see something come open, and that's our only chance. I don't think it's – I think teams would be willing to wait on him. That's a really good point, but I think it would be his own patience. Yeah. I think he – if you see a guy is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals – if you see that guy get fired by a middling college football team and they get hired in the NFL, you know how craved they are for offensive coaches. And if you turn on our tape the last two seasons, especially this season, and see what our history is and what he's doing now, I mean, the guy has got to be the hot name. He and Dable, they've got yeah. to be the hot names in the NFL. I think people will wait on him. I think we're going to see Landon. Uh, this is going to be rare. He's going to be patient. Well, isn't he? 
we might see him next season as offensive coordinator just because he doesn't want to take a bad. And I'll give job. you guys a dark horse pick. This one you're probably going to be like, what in the hell? But no, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I would not be surprised if Philadelphia decides to dump Doug Peterson and get a guy me. like Arthur Smith. Because I think, you know, yes, Doug Peterson has a recent school, but I don't think he's the coach they really thought he was going to be. And, and I think they can use a creative no, mind with a guy like Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz to try to figure out what they actually have on that team. They've got a mm-hmm. great back with Miles Sanders. They've got a lot of receiving pieces. And they've got two incredible tight ends that you know are continuously taken for granted. And I think that might be a spot that he's going to land. Now, honestly... I also think Arthur Smith, He's he, to me, he's that perfect introverted type of personality that I don't know if he really wants to be a head coach. I could totally see him being one of the all-time great offensive coordinators sticking with us or, you know, somewhere else. I, I really, you know, because Vrabel, he comes across as this, uh, you know, you know, energetic, extroverted, outgoing guy. And I don't get that from Arthur Smith. He's that introvert, he, you know, he loves, he probably sits up like we do, playing in Excel all night and, you know, drawing up plays and stuff like that. I think that's who he wants to be. Like you said, he's not hurting for money. His dad's one of the wealthiest people in America, if not the world. Um, I, I think he, 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 as patient as he can be, I, I think he's content. No, I don't. I think he wants to be a head coach. and uh, But his personality, I think you're right. But you could say the same thing about Angel Belichick. And, uh, this guy wants to be a head coach and he wants to be – probably as soon as possible. Landon, do you do you think Arthur Smith is a, a top head, head coaching candidate? Do you see a, a good fit out there for him? Well, I think he's the top head coaching candidate. Last year, there was career years out of pretty much everyone on offense. This year, the offensive line regresses. It's not like the, the Cowboys in the earlier part of the decade where you give a guy a top five offensive line some weapons. They're going to be good. But he's been tested this year, and he's still produced. And, John, the only merit – I can give to him wanting to stay an offensive, the offensive coordinator for us is that Mike Vrabel is not involved in the offense at all. And so he would essentially be the head coach of the offense. But otherwise, I, I, I know we say he has a luxury of not having to go to a bad organization. And the Chargers are certainly near the top of bad, cursed organizations under mm-hmm. Dean Spanos. So but, bad. Justin, That's a good- but Justin Herbert is the best asset in the NFL. A top 10 quarterback this year already on a rookie deal. Yeah. As a rookie, he's only going to get better. Their offensive line is pretty much the worst in the NFL. It's going to get better. Their special teams is the worst ever in 40 years, so it can't be any worse. They're going to have a top eight draft pick. They've already got plenty of weapons. If he wants to make a name for himself, yeah, that's a good one. get the hottest young quarterback, a team that's been super inconsistent in a big market, has a lot of potential, just the only question is, it seems like the Chargers are cursed. Well, their priority is going to be an offensive guy because of Herbert. That's the one thing they have. So I guarantee you they're in a room in L.A. right now, assured that they're going to go come away with either Daybowl or Smith. I guarantee you that's the only two guys on their board. That's a really good point. But you could make that same argument with Jackson, except that uh, Jacksonville has been bad, but they have an owner that will keep a guy longer than they should. Carolina yesterday fired Marty Herney, the new owner of the – billionaire hedge fund guy, he basically said, hey, we hired a coach, we like him, and we're going to align our our coach. He's going to be part of our personnel stuff. You're going to see this reverse. The coaches are going to have a hand in hiring the GM, not the other way around as it has been before, because they want a coach to feel good about the players that are coming in and the philosophy 
of personnel decisions. Now, we know coaches shouldn't make personnel decisions. Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick have taught us that. But I think Arthur Smith, I really think this, as good as our offense has been from a schematic standpoint, you're going to see him get the promise of a job like Jacksonville doesn't have a G. They're going to uh, – Dayball and Smith are going to have to have a team. I think they will have a team that says, look, come in here and we will all sit down together and we will hire a personnel guy that fits what you want to do. And that's what these bad teams are going to do. Jacksonville, I guarantee you, is going to do that. Uh, that's what Shad Khan is. He's been patient. He's just picked the wrong guys. Arthur Smith with Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields coming with that team that does have talent, and he gets to have a say in who the next GM is. You could say the same thing with if the Chargers, I don't know, that ownership group has been as bad as any over the last 40 or 50 years, so I don't trust it. But I don't know. Think of those opportunities. Think of Justin Herbert. Think of one of these two top quarterbacks coming out. That's the kind of opportunity that Arthur Smith is going to be looking at. Yeah, I think that's all well said. I didn't. I honestly wasn't even thinking about the Chargers, but that makes perfect sense. Me neither, but they're <laughs> making a change, and Herbert is their jewel. They're going to have to start making some promises because I don't care. The Chargers aren't going to be good until some things changes that can't be seen. I don't know, but think about the team doctor, and I know mistakes are made, that seriously <laughs> injured Tyrod Taylor. Like, I mean, I know mistakes happen. That would never in a million years happen with the Tennessee Titans because we have a really competent medical community, and the best of the best get to play around with the Titans. That's just the facts. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about the organization. I will never believe they're going to get any better until the team gets sold or wholesale changes get made. And I can say that for five or six teams. Just look at what Joe Burrow had to go through this year. It's sad. It's just really sad. Guys, let's talk about our team again. Uh, Darrington Evans. Uh, we've needed a, a good backup running back. We saw this guy. He was drafted in the third round earlier this year. Just didn't he look awesome? John, he just was so smooth catching the ball and runs so hard. He's not very big. He's finally healthy. This is that guy that they've envisioned that would be perfect for yeah, third he, down. Yeah, he is, he is the idea uh, of what you want to be complimented with, to compliment Derrick Henry. I think, you know, this is not a slight to Deontay Foreman or Jeremy McNichols or anybody like that because they have, you know, they've, they've performed admirably. You know, they've, they've come in, they've given some relief when Derrick, when Derrick needed a, a breather. And I think they've really done well. I would have liked to have seen McNichols on the roster all of last season. So he had some, you know, development, but it didn't, uh, it didn't work out that way. But uh, I'm excited he's here. But uh, Darrington Evans, yeah, you're right. He is, he is the lightning to Derrick Henry's thunder. And I think that that's exactly what we're going after. And he looked great yesterday. Um, you know, he did some special teams uh, work and he looked electric every time he, he had an opportunity to touch the ball. So I look for him to continue to develop and progress, and I think he'll be an incredible addition as we go down and figure out this playoff road. Another good thing, too, about him is, you know, there's not a lot of tape on him. So other teams are going to have to right. kind of guess at how we're going to use him, and that's probably what I like the most. Speaking of running back, Landon, I know we discussed this yesterday watching the game. Uh, Landon is has a countdown to 2,000. He wants to see it. He even wants to see – the record that Eric Dickerson holds for most yards in a season. I myself, I know um, Derrick Henry last season was on a roll and came up a little limp, and we were really easy on him, even when we were trying to assure ourselves of a playoff spot. It doesn't appear like that is going to be the case. They are full bore. I know he doesn't play a lot in some of the fourth quarters just because we've had the game in hand, and he's already got like 175 yards or 150 yards or whatever. But Landon and then John, I'll ask you um, – 
is this a priority for you? Do you want to see 2,000? Are they mutually exclusive? I worry that if he gets a 2,000, he's going to need – I want to see him get those 2,000 uh, yards in the playoffs. Uh, is this something you really want to see, Landon? I do want to see it, not just because of it being a statistical milestone, because I think, worst case, he'll probably get 1,900. But at the same time, there's a few guys that have gotten 1,900, and you can't name them off the top of your head. Now, 2,000, a lot of people can name the seven guys that have done that. And they've all been shoo-ins for offensive play of the year, MVP, just deserving of the attention that Derrick Henry deserves. And it really just depends on this next week because we, ha- we can tie the Colts and we'll win the division. That's all we have to do. So the Colts play the Steelers next week who are reeling. If they lose that game, we beat Green Bay later that night. So we'll already know the circumstances and the stakes of Sunday night football. We win that game. Week 17 is meaningless for us. And if Henry isn't like 100 yards away, then, yeah, I think we, we load manage Henry, we look to the playoffs. But if we both win or we both lose next week, week 17 is winner take all, so we can't load manage Henry then. And Houston is the team that he ran for 200 on earlier this year. And Green Bay is a bottom third run defense, and Dalvin Cook ran for 160 on them. Derrick Henry is going to do that. So I would like to see it happen. I hope – it doesn't, so that means we can safely clinch the division instead of having to go down to the wire with Indy. But I just want to see it happen so we become the first team ever to have two 2,000-yard rushers. John, do you worry that as fun as 2,000 yards would be and as fun as it would be to see, would you worry about what he had left I in the I don't, the and here's my reason why. Yeah, I, I want to see him get 2,000, kind of like for the same reasons Landon said, because that puts him in the pantheon of greats. And I really think that if he hits over 2,000 yards, I think he might be a possibility for our first non-quarterback MVP. And I think he deserves it. But he has been the identity of this team for the past couple of years. I mean, more prevalently the last two. But he's your franchise guy. Here we were hoping it was going to be Mariota. It wasn't. But then here comes Derrick Henry to, to shine his light. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of guys get to that second contract on our team lately. And I want Derrick Henry to hit 2000 plus for what it means to him and for what it means to us as an organization. How cool would it be to have an MVP in our team that isn't a quarterback? I mean, you know, sure. Put Daniel in the conversation, uh, you know, because he's thrown 31 touchdowns, but Derrick Henry has gotten what? 16 touchdowns. Um, you know, we've seen him have a 200 yard game with two plus touchdowns. I mean, I think this guy deserves – I mean, he's already in the conversations with Jim Brown based on his 200-yard rushing games with multiple touchdowns. Why not give it why – not, why not put him in that spot? And, you know, on a, the other point I wanted to make is about his workload. I think Henry is that kind of a guy that I don't, I don't want him to rest. I think he runs harder and, and, you know, by being in every single game, I think he gets better every single right. game with a higher work, a higher workload. Um, I would be worried that if we rested him in week 17, that maybe he would be a little bit too rested by the time playoffs run around. I want to see this guy with a full head of steam, kind of like how he runs in the fourth quarter. He does seem like a rhythm guy and just absolutely infatigable, yeah, just unbelievable. How and I don't want us just... to get out of rhythm, even aside wow. from Derrick Henry. Let's say we rest Derrick Henry in week 17, right? So we have Darrington Evans or we have Jeremy McNichols or whoever you want to put back there, Deontay Foreman. And let's say our offense starts to sputter. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to carry that bad juju or bad karma 
going into the playoffs. I want to, you know, obliterate teams. I want to pedal to the metal, foot on their throats. Let's do it. Line Henry up. They know it's coming. They can't stop it. That's what I want. And that's what we need to do, especially if we have to play somebody like the Steelers, Browns. We have to do that. Colts with a with a with a Absolutely. stout front, you know, we we have to do that. And I I don't I just think getting him in rhythm, keeping him in rhythm is what's going to make us go. So yeah, I'm all for two thousand. <laughs> Hell, I'm for t- I'm for twenty two hundred if we can get there. <laughs> and, and I think I think <laughs> if he does that, I think he's almost a shoe in for MVP. Call me crazy, but I think it's. I I don't know. Uh, I I would like to think that, and I think there will be a grassle. But you know, Mahomes has had such a fine year. Even Aaron Rodgers has too. I just wish the offensive player of the year and the MVP is so weird because some of one quarterback will get one and the other, and it's like I just wish they would change the offensive MVP to like the Jim Brown Award, and a non-quarterback gets it, and a non-quarterback could get an NFL MVP, but a quarterback cannot get the Jim Brown award. And I think it should just go to the best non-quarterback and they should just start doing that because it's really dumb how it's set up currently. Uh, and I think it would be a bigger deal. Especially because, the uh, they should just take, I, I consider Jim Brown uh, the greatest non-quarterback NFL player of all time. And Landon, I believe considers Jerry Rice as the best non-quarterback uh, NFL player of all time. Uh, but that may be true. Jerry Rice didn't have a hand in giving credibility to the NFL and the civil rights movement and everything else like that. So I think he would be the perfect guy while he's still living to do. I don't know why they just don't do that. The NFL doesn't do a lot of stuff because I think they're like that really beautiful woman, uh, you know, in high school or college is like, they've never had to try. It's like, you know, it's like they just don't do the obvious stuff where you've seen all the other professional sports leagues. There was a time where they just had to survive. So they did all this innovative, interesting stuff in marketing where it's like, yeah, offensive MVP, but and it's like, no, name it something and give it parameters because right now we're just hoping for something that I don't think they're going to do. I think they're going to give it to Mahomes. But uh, Henry could definitely wow us. It wouldn't shock me if he ran for, you know, 200 yards the next three games because he's Derrick Henry, and we've seen what he's done down the stretch here. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see if they unleash him or not, if they make that decision to play him in the second half of these games regardless because I, I agree with you. I don't think week seven, 17 is going to be – matter much to seeding or anything else like that. Let's pivot to our next game, primetime game on Sunday night. Green Bay, Titans. Uh, fellas, obviously, this is an interesting game, but on a national stage, this is going to go a long way to answer this narrative that you hear in national media. That is, is the AFC's five top teams better than anybody in the NFC? I think the Titans could uh, give a, a lot more to that if uh, they go in and beat who I – presume as the top team in the NFC. Oh, right for now? sure. The the eighth or ninth seed in the AFC is going to be eight and eight at worst. Like there's going to be a nine win, maybe even a 10 win team that gets left out. Then you go to the NFC, the seven seed is going to, is going to be like Chicago, maybe one of these other teams that have been floundering. They're going to be eight and eight, nine and seven, just a really bad team that's going to get killed in the wild card. And is an example of how the seven seed is really just about the money. Then you go to the AFC. Any of the seven seeds, they play Pittsburgh round one. Outside of Miami, whose offense just isn't that explosive, they've got a shot at getting an upset, upsetting the two seed. Green Bay, I would say, is the best team in the NFC. They're going to get the one seed, assuming they beat us. And Aaron Rodgers, I would give him the MVP. He's having an all-time great passing season, even though defenses have been neutered. And 
It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a shootout. Rodgers is probably going to kill us, but it's going to be fun to watch anyway. Like you're saying, Lynn, I think it's going to be a shootout. I remember us talking when the schedule first came out, how I, I, I circled this game as a nod of respect to play the Packers in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. And, yeah, it's probably the most intimidating game I think we're going to play all season just because of what Aaron Rodgers can do, and especially with our historically bad secondary. It's, you know, just like walking into a buzzsaw. But... And then the seventh seed is about getting more deserving teams in, adding higher variance and more stakes to the playoffs. And like you said... I think Derrick Henry's going to have his way, too. I think he's going to find a lot of success, and I think it's going to be a super fun game. I was looking, trying to find the last time the Titans were on Sunday Night Football, and it looks like we were on in 2018 against the Colts in a game where... It got flexed because I was for the division, and we had to play Gabbard, and it was just pathetic. Yeah, where we got smoked. So yeah, I want. So sad. I always love our, our our ability to show up in these these games. You know, I was originally thinking it was when Nathan, when you, me, and your dad were meeting at Old Chicago watching the Cowboys. <laughs> but that was a Monday night game where Bayard stood on the star. Yeah, I um, about that. But yeah, I mean, it's an exciting exciting time. Um, you know, thankfully both these teams are relevant. Maybe. Maybe, you know, the Packers don't have a whole lot to play for being locked in at the one or. Oh, no, they, they do. So, no, they're locked yeah, in. I'm, I mean, I just think it'll be fun. I mean, we're, we're watching what the NFL wants us to watch. These high flying offenses scoring a bunch of points. Um, I haven't even looked the over under yet, but I would imagine it's somewhere in the 60s at least. Yeah, I, I think it's going to make for good national TV. I think uh, across the country, folks are interested in the Titans, mainly because of Derrick Henry. And um, I think it's a really good opportunity to people for people to see uh, Ryan Tannehill that they don't remember or didn't imagine in Miami. And definitely A.J. Yeah. Brown, I think, is has a future as one of the great uh, receivers in this game. And there are a bunch of coming out, but uh, he is a unique talent. And uh, if you're outside of this region, you just haven't seen him that much. Uh, we don't get a lot of exposure on national television. We're going to get a really good game. People love to watch Aaron Rodgers, and I would love for us to uh, – people imagine us as, uh, you know, as a heavy run team, and they think that. But we do some really exciting stuff. We're going to open it up. I, for one, am just really, yeah. really excited. Lana, what's the line? What's the opening line? I, I just got it pulled up uh, per DraftKings Sportsbook. It looks like the line – is Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. So that means that Vegas thinks it's pretty even. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's going to be yeah, – over, over is 56 points. So, yeah, I, I, think they, I think they expect what we all expect, a high-scoring affair and with two tough, tough teams that don't, that don't do a whole lot particularly well on defense. I'll be, exci- I'll be interested to see where that line goes this week. And, uh, guys, I'm just counting the days. I can't wait. We're going to have a wonderful holiday on Friday. Christmas, and then we uh, get to spend some time with a limited amount of family, hopefully. And then on Sunday night, boys, we get to see our Titans on national television playing, uh, you know, one of the all-time greats and I think the class of the NFC. And we'll just – this is where it starts with a litmus test. The question is uh, the Tennessee Titans have been up and down this year, obviously more up than down. Uh, We've had some big wins, uh, some tough losses. Are we legitimate? It starts now. Uh, I want to see us make this run. I want to see us complete what we started last year. Fellas, I believe it starts You better believe it, sir. 
That's all the time we have for now. Uh, thank you for being back with us. Uh, follow us and subscribe to us on wherever you listen, uh, Spotify and iTunes and now Amazon Podcast, all kinds of different places to find us. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll be back with you soon. Until then, tighten, tighten up. up. Tighten up.